probably won't have time to consume this. However, I'm going to give it a go because, you know, a drop of coffee first thing in the morning is uh, essential. I'll probably drink way too much. Think about maybe four, five cups a day. And they're, they're strong. They're strong, like, you know. So, uh, I don't know. That's probably not much for many. But I have found in the last uh, couple of years that my consumption has risen. And that now I, uh, I drink probably twice as much as I did two years ago. But there comes a point, you see, um, it's okay, because there comes a point where uh, I've just had enough, you know? You know when you get that way? Or maybe just before that. I know in the afternoon, maybe late afternoon, that I've had my last cup of coffee. And I can't really drink coffee at night time. Because I'm just not in the mood. Not because it keeps me up. Uh, it doesn't keep me up. I don't lie awake with eyes like pinned open because I drank coffee late at night. Um, I'd rather have a cup of tea at night, you know? Have an old dippy bicky. <laughs> like a digestive or a rich tea or something like that. Um, but, so my missus, I've said this so many times, she bought me this coffee machine and it's great, you know, the long eating. And uh, it's uh, kind of like a mini barista yoke, you know. And uh, I like that a lot. So I'm going to turn it on now and uh, it's a bit noisy. So. Here we go. indeed pass it through twice pass the water through the coffee twice just to extract that last little bit of essentialness from the ground coffee beans I go for Lavazza myself there's probably hundreds more equally as good uh, brands of coffee out there or some even better but Lavazza works for me and you get the three pack to the tree pack uh, that uh, get a little deal on. Um, I always find after adding the milk that I have to heat it up. Hot milk obviously would be the right option, but then I'd have to heat the milk first. And it's got this little spout on the side where it can actually. You know, like a proper barista machine that I can actually heat the milk on the side or whatever. But I'd never use it because it just gets clogged full of milk. Anyway, that's my coffee story. It's uh, Monday morning. 
and um, life is good. I'm just about to drop my little girl to school. Then we'll get stuck into some stuff. Hope you're having a good Monday. Whatever you're up to, I shall chat to you later on. Take it easy. Alright, so I've got a bunch of call-ins. Um, in particular, uh, Paula Mahoney came in on a couple of different topics uh, earlier on. And I want to share them with you now. Uh, one was um, uh, a couple of call-ins where he uh, shares his own experience of uh, talking about the seeing parents pass you know and maybe preparing in advance so i'm going to play them for you first and then um we've got some other stuff so uh, here you go take it away paul larry good morning i'm just listening to you talking yesterday about when parents go and the, the part of it that I, I, I can say something about is really about my experience that it was uh, in my family, we talked um, pretty openly and in a good humoured way about, you know, when my dad would die and when my mum would die and what we do and... Uh, you know, how you, you really should be, you know, planning your own funeral and stuff like that. We, I always remember it being, you know, very easy to, oh, we discussed who'd get what, you know, I want that painting, I want that book, whatever. We did this much more with my mom than with my dad. And... Um, my mum died at the age of 90 in um, 2000 and, uh, hang on a minute, 2016, 1st of November. And uh, that was a very lovely passing. And uh, it certainly helped, I think, in a tiny way that we'd all discussed in, in a very light-hearted way. Um, the fact that she was going to go. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you that the more chat talking that can be done about that, the better in my experience anyway. A couple of days ago, I was uh, over and back with Torson from Be Afraid and we were talking about responsibility. He picked up on something I'd said and... Uh, we had a bit of a to and fro, um, all very light-hearted and agreeable stuff. Um, and uh, Paul Omani was listening in to that conversation, if you want to call it a conversation, but uh, picked up on, on that and had a question for me. So um, take it away again, Paul. Larry, hello again. I was just listening to your chat with uh, Thorson there. And I was... I was um, Particularly struck by you saying we have to know we when we have to take our foot off the gas and if uh, basically painting a picture of you know that if you try to keep on pushing when you haven't got the energy and the inclination and the will even um, that 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 isn't good for us and I thought 
It sounds to me like as if you're talking out of personal experience, basically. I mean, as if you were talking about yourself. Would, would that be right? You've, you, this has happened to you and you've learned from it. Is that, is that, um, am I reading that right? All right, so to uh, answer that question, um, to make a very long story short, uh, it's probably 2025, 25, probably a, no, it wasn't that long, it was 2007, yeah, well, maybe late 2006 to 2014, even I would say 2016. <clears throat> Um, so, uh, eight, eight years, ten years, something like that. Anyway, difficult to pin down. You can never really say for certain when things kicked off and when things finished, but it feels like uh, a period of about maybe eight to ten years. So, started in business when I was 25, worked my bollocks off, uh, done quite well financially, had no dependents. Um, got married, got into business with another guy, uh, had kids. Things began to turn sour in the working relationship. Didn't really start off very well, if I was honest. So from hitting a peak in around mid to late 2006 uh, financially in the business, then it did continue to go up, but costs went up with it. Then the crash came and... Uh, I was very determined, really determined, uh, as a young bloke in business for myself. And uh, I was gung-ho, and I made decisions um, that ultimately served me, but at the time, were didn't really. <laughs> so anyway, um, went well, went well, went well, didn't go well, didn't go well, went like shit, and slowly but surely came back down, and then with a bang around the time of the crash. Now... 2008 2009 but i still had work so i didn't really feel the effects the ultimate effects of it until 2010 long story short uh yes so um foot in the gas the whole way blinkers on going for it is uh naive and uh certainly was for me and um on reflection and having having had uh, a period of kind of sober uh, uh consideration of all of the events that transpired as they did i think myself in a very uh very enviable enviable position having experienced those things so you know you could say in one breath that the stuff that's horrible that's re that keeps you up at night that that makes you cry that uh rips apart your whole sense of self is so destructive and uh you should run a mile from it but ultimately it there's nothing better. There's nothing serves you more than what we what we call failure. You know those those times that are super difficult. Ultimately, there's nothing serves us more. But when you're in it, it's it's difficult. And uh, there's nothing like that period of uh, sober reflection. There really isn't. It's a uh, it's a beautiful thing where there's no responsibilities and nothing to do. When you've had let's say fifteen, sixteen years of go go go. And all of a sudden, there's nothing, <laughs> you know, there's nothing to go. There's nothing going. You have no choice but to just sit back and go, what the fuck was that all about? Jesus Christ. Uh, who am I anyway? You know, type of thing. But uh, 
it was great, you know, and uh, it's still great, probably better now than it ever was, and uh, long live failure, eh? Hello, Larry, hi. Uh, first of all, congratulations on keeping your newsletter going for a year. I mean, I think that's a significant achievement, and to have email contact with people on a regular basis, it sounds like on a weekly basis, with people who read your newsletter, that's, from the point of view of anybody who has ambitions to market something, that's invaluable. I mean, they are, I don't want to say sales in the bag, but they are your greatest fans, I think. And clearly you have a huge fan in uh, Bobby Kuntz, and Bobby has been doing a great job of of encouraging people to become your fan, I think. And with the Artist's Manifesto pretty close to being published, I think you said March, and it going to be published in, um, self-published in, uh, on Kindle, and on um, hardback, and uh, you may, for all I know, be going to uh, sell the revised version as a PDF from your website, and you may, for all I know, be going to produce an audio version of it for for sale as well. Um, you're you're a great. Um, uh, activist in the in this area and you know all I can say is that I feel that you deserve huge uh, support because you're offering other people uh, your example and I mean it's incalculable what influence you will have but it's in and it's entirely possible that somebody who's following your work, and I include your work here on, on Anchor, um, but all of your other kind of work in relation to the artist's way, and, your, and it is your personal manifesto, in, in that sense to me anyway, and if other people produce their own personal manifesto after thinking about your way of producing your manifesto um, the world will be a better place uh, first of all Paul um, a million thank yous to you for uh, for sharing your thoughts on that on the manifesto I appreciate you saying what you did uh, very kind of you and yeah, Bobby is um Bobby's been a huge advocate for that piece of writing. And uh I, I know people have come on to my list as a result of Bobby sharing that stuff. And uh Bobby's a supporter of mine on Patreon as well. I should say that. I know I've said it publicly before, but I'll say it again. And um what else can I say? Uh re regard to the manifesto, I was uh, I have to give credit to Jeff Goins, he's a writer in the in the US, and uh, he worked very hard uh, from a position of nobody knowing who he was or what he had to say, or 
and he got an idea to write manifesto and he wrote it and i saw what he wrote and it was very short and i said i need to write one of these too so i did and i searched online and i found what manifestos are all about and how they should look and how long they should be and what they should stand for and and i began to write my own and uh i think it's universal what's in there um i should say when i read it or when i hear someone else read it it feels like it's not mine and i can't call it mine i i put my keys on the keyboard and typed out the letters but uh it's not mine and i mean that it's not mine at all it's everybody's and uh it's free you can get it in pdf the second version of it the first version i edited uh there's a um, couple of people came back with typos they spotted and stuff like that and that was a great help uh uh, Henneke Dustemat, if I'm pronouncing her surname correctly, she's a writer from uh, Holland. I think she lives in the UK, and uh, she's pretty well known in the copywriting uh, copywriting world. And she was talking about manifestos, and I shot mine over to her and I said, "Hey, check it out. Tell me what you think." She read it. She came back with some typo um, changes. So uh, subsequent to that, I I published version two in pdf and that's available free to download from my site but version 3 will be uh will be a paid version it'll be up on kindle there'll be uh um there'll be an ebook version that'll go out to all the ebook platforms um there'll also be a softback or a paperback version and a hardback and an audiobook so um yeah get it out there in as, in as many formats as i can try and share it with as many people as i can and uh you know try and spread that word i mean the word is no by no means unique to me the the trust of the manifesto or the the um, i suppose what it stands for what i stand for it's not unique it's unique insofar as my voice is kind of spitting it out there but it's been said before and it's been said so many times in so many different ways um that uh it's it's amazing really that it's when something new comes along that it it appears so fresh because it's the same story but um yeah uh, thanks man you know uh, i appreciate you 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 bring it up and and uh i'll i'll um continue to let people know about it and hopefully it'll continue to resonate and when i first published it in fact i got a load of response from medium people on medium and stuff was where i published it as well and uh, loads of people said it was it was it was a breath of fresh air and what have you. So that's encouraging, but that's what it's all about. So yeah, thanks a million, and that's what it's that's what it's about. And uh, long live the manifesto, Larry. I listened with rapt attention to your newsletter, and the first part of your newsletter involved you saying some things about learning and how people learn. And I, I would love you to elaborate on that. Say some more about it. For example, if, if somebody reads a book and thinks about the content of it, thinks about it in such a way that they internalize, not what's so much in the book, but internalizes their own meaning, the meaning they have made of what's in the book internalizes that and then has a resource to use when it comes to applying that that stuff do you, would you call that learning by any chance so um 
so let's say I buy a book on wood turning or I buy a resource um, or I find a resource or I'm rumbling through the library shelves and I find some piece of material um, in whatever form it happens to be on how to build a table, how to make a chair. Now, I, uh, I've never made a chair before. But I open the book and I follow the instructions and I find of all these tools to buy and of all these uh, pieces of equipment that I need to get in order to form and um, take the, the wood and to form it into the pieces that I need to put together and follow the instructions. And I might I might turn I might turn those lumps of timber into something OK, but I certainly uh, I certainly won't create a masterpiece or something that will command a high price. It's going to take. 10, 15, 20, 40 years to hone my skills uh, in order to create something wonderful. So um, some people will take longer, other people, some people might take shorter. But really the bottom line is information is just information until it's applied, right? Um, I mean, it doesn't count for anything, really, unless like, we can absorb it, we can read it cover to cover, every single day of our lives but until such time as we implement that or have reason to implement it through our life experience well then it doesn't count for much in my opinion that's what i think larry please excuse me for saying this and feel absolutely no uh, no uh, impulse to publish it unless you really want to i i've just heard you say I think that we live in a world, or, and you then go on to elaborate. And I said to myself as I heard you say that, uh, I know what you mean, or at least I know part of what you mean, I think. I have confidence that I know this. I think you mean, and this is kind of a question, I have found that, rather than think. I think you're talking out of experience, and I think your words would be more powerful if you speak that way. And as I listen back to what I've just uh, said to you, I I have the thought that, Paul, you could have replaced at least one of those, I think, like, for example, I think your words would be more powerful. I could have changed that too. I suspect. Because it's more than, for me, it's more than a thought. It actually involves feelings and thought and memory all wrapped up together. I realise I'm saying this as much for myself. Some great stuff all together in there uh, from young Paul O'Mahony. And uh, <clears throat> thanks for the engagement, Paul. Um, you know, words are a funny thing. They never really... Uh, get to the heart of it they never can and although I l like to read and I love to explore ideas and I like to write um, you can never get across uh, 
very, very, very rarely get across the the larger sense of what it is you're feeling with words. And even if you have the greatest vocabulary on the face of the planet and you're considered the most eminent writer, sometimes you just can't... If somebody is not in the same space to receive or hear what it is you're writing, they won't hear you. Like you could take the I Ching, the Book of Changes, or you could take... Uh, the Tao Te Ching, and you could read that inside out and upside down, but the chances are that if you're not in the right place, well, you won't find those books in the first place, but let's say you do. Let's say someone with the best of intention wants you to be happier, and you're just in a really shitty place, and you're not ready, and you're cross, and you're angry at the world, and yourself, and everybody else, and you're looking for some inspiration, or maybe you're not, you're just looking for someone to blame, for your circumstances. The content in those books will mean fuck all. And it's 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 like that, you see. Um but you're on to something. Um it's been my inclination that you see, when I'm communicating with you audibly, I can put tone and pitch, etc., into my voice. I can raise or lower that. I can I can increase the volume. I can stress certain points, you know, and I can enhance the communication. But in words it's so difficult because, you know, <laughs> hence the uh, advent of the, uh, what do you call them, those smiley faces, um, uh, emojis in the online world to try and communicate intent and emotion. And they do kind of help, but uh, it's kind of hilarious. But um, so in communication with words alone in writing, and when we read them back, it can be very difficult. And stuff can be misinterpreted. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I am inclined to believe, or I am not believe, I don't like that word believe, because that inclines I'm assigned or aligned with a doctrine, and I'm not. Uh, the only, I'm aligned with the doctrine of no doctrine, you know? So, uh, words, um, words can be dangerous, they can lead us down the garden path if we follow them sometimes. We've got to see what's behind them, you know. And I I, uh, I go to pains, not really pains, but I take a long time and I read and I reread and I reread again the stuff that I publish to see if what I've written effectively communicates what I'm trying to say. And invariably they don't, but I try it anyway. Um, and that's why I like audio so much. It's because I'm able to get on here and I'm able to express something in a different way. And video as well. You add pictures to that and, well, you've got something different, you know. And uh, it's a remarkable thing. It's like Watts says, you know, we confuse the menu for the meal. And that's the greatest problem in our society. We start to believe the words that are written down on the pages. That's why the ancient Druids and the ancient people of uh, the ancient Celts and people of Ireland, and they didn't write this stuff down, you know, the bards. They communicated around a fire and they told stories and they passed them along one person to the next because they understood that things changed. Things are not static. And here lies the issue with people who follow the Quran and follow the Bible and follow all this written text written thousands of years ago by people who were in completely different frames of mind to us. Now, there are truths behind those words in those books, I, I, I suspect. I've seen it myself. 
Um, but we can get lost in the words and we invariably do, you know, and that's the problem. Um, we look beyond the words and the only true communication, the only true source that can really give us the information that we need on anything is in the quiet and the silence. I truly believe that because, and I know it because it's been my experience sitting in my chair in my kitchen looking out that glass door and the glass window that's and the, at this time of the year especially i can see the truth of it you know yesterday uh my good man my favorite american in Tipperary, uh bernie goldback called in and asked me about what i'm reading um he's kind of on a book buzz right now and uh who blame him? It's nice to read. And it's interesting to see what other people are reading too. So he called in and he asked me what I, what I was reading, what's on my shelf, and uh, I duly replied. Here's that uh, to and fro. Check it out. Hey, Larry, i got to talk to you about writing stuff sometime because we know Paul Manny's got stuff he's written, poems, the book's up on Amazon. Greg Dixon, I don't know if you've heard uh, him talk about the stuff he's done. I forget, Heartfelt Business or what is it? something like that. He's an old first-timer, uh, version one person. And for what it's worth, I spent like a way too much time asking people what the heck they were reading. I'll stick it in the uh, heading of this thing. An episode that scrubbed off my timeline. Really, I'm interested in like what kind of books you got around your house. You know, What's your inspiration? You know, what's in the kitchen or what's in the sitting room? What's in your study? Um, you learn a lot about people by what they have hanging around between the covers. Bye. Thanks for sharing. Bernie, I've got a bunch of stuff, a whole heap of stuff. And uh, some of it is red and some of it is not. Just looking at my shelf here. So I've got, uh, what's this one? Oh, that's rubbish. Uh, I've got the Snowball, Warren Buffett. Haven't read it yet. I think it was bought from me or did I buy it? I can't remember. It might have been one of those uh, airport purchasing decisions. Uh, Ken Blanchard, the one-minute manager. Red. Brian Tracy, eat the frog. Red. How to win friends and influence people. Partially read and put down. I'll never pick it up again. Jeffrey Gittimer's The Little Red Book of Selling. I like that. Um, oh, this one is probably one of the first books I ever uh, received from from anyone. It's called Under the Influence, and it's written by James, the, it's so old, the whole thing is kind of worn away. Under the Influence, James B. Milam, PhD, I think. Uh, it's about alcohol and alcoholism, and uh, his theory on that. Uh, Brian Cox, The Quantum Universe, haven't read it. Born to Run, kind of boring. The E-Myth to Revisit It, yeah, um... All about business. You probably know about that one. Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, Jack Canfield. A couple of stories in that I've read. One of the first kind of series of books I started, I, I bought um, back before I started in business, or just as I started in business, was uh, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. I don't, I don't know anyone who's in business probably hasn't read that stuff, but uh, I've those and uh, very interesting. Uh, Understanding Stocks. Haven't read it. The Leader Who Had No Title, Robin Sharma, uh, read it. Good story, not too bad. Uh, for Our Work Week, yeah, not too bad. Some good ideas in there, Tim Ferriss. 
and on sugar. Uh, what you see is what you get, not red. Steve Jobs, Walter Isaacson, not red. Uh, they were bought for me. Who dares runs? Jerry Duffy ran 32 marathons in 32 days. Well, I beat that, so uh, there you go. Uh, brief history in the life of the human race, partially red. Uh, scar tissue, Anthony Kiedis, not red, purchased for me. What else have I got? Uh, slave to the clock, master of time, given to me free, haven't read it. Full circle, Frank Greeley. Um, he runs the Irish runner here in Ireland. He's former, uh, I think he'd be an international runner in his day, I think. Uh, trouble, a lot of trouble with uh, booze, so he did. Katrine McKiernan, running for my life, haven't read it, given to me. Many miles to go, Brian Tracy, haven't read it but listened to the audio. Uh, the Dublin and Monaghan, Monaghan bombings, Joe Tiernan, haven't read it, I think my dad gave me that or something. TikTok 10, Jerry Duffy, another book, uh, haven't read it. The God Delusion, Richard Hawk Dawkins, uh, partially read, got bored with it. Um, what's this one? This is my wife's book, Running Like a Girl. Haven't read that. The Secret Olympian, haven't read that. I think that's my wife's as well. Carl Sagan, Cosmos, haven't read it. Duncan Bannatyne, uh, what's the title of this? Anyone can do it. Read that. Interesting up to a point, but kind of got boring. Uh, Ultramarathon Man, given to me as well on loan. Haven't given it back to the man, haven't read it. That's just one shelf. I've a load of stuff. I've loads more. Um, uh, some read, some not, but uh, that's the kind of stuff I'm into. My wife is reading a book at the moment called Dying, a memoir. Um, don't know if you've heard of that. Relevant to her at the moment. I have a couple of Stephen King books. I've got... Um, there's another book, actually. That wouldn't be very popular. Well, it's popular, but not uh, widely popular, I suppose. Uh, I have a load of other stuff as well. But sure, listen, thanks for asking me. And uh, happy to jump on and have a chat to you about books and all that kind of lovely stuff. Lots of stuff and knowledge bombs and stuff in there. And, but uh, it's the applying of them that actually makes a difference, isn't it? Anyway, thanks, man. I'll chat to you. Take it easy. So that, that little exchange with Bernie uh, received a, a, a whole lot of uh, engagement and listens. Um, usually uh, segments, my segments, might get, I don't know, um, two or three listens, maybe five to ten if if it's popular, maybe a few more if it's shared. This particular segment got about 20-odd listens, and that's down to the fact that uh, it was shared on Bernie Station, and uh, I'm not sure if it was shared, probably shared elsewhere too. Um, and the more listens you get, the more exposure you get obviously to other people's stuff and that's why it's good to talk um although it's not really well it's not conversational it's it's i talk i send it to you you listen and then you reply but uh that's the nature of the game here on anchor and uh, if you're listening to this episode of the daily larb on itunes or spreaker or otherwise uh anchor is a little app that i use to record five minute segments and people can call into my station and leave comments and ask questions and stuff and you can get a nice bit of uh, to and fro. So uh, myself and Paul O'Mahony earlier on that you were listening to was an example of that. Uh, the bit of a to and fro I had with 
Bernie is another example of that. Uh, and in addition, there's other material that I share on the station, the anchor dot uh, <laughs> anchor FM forward slash the larb. And I don't get to add it to the podcast episode because it's not mine to share. It belongs to other people. Now, there are applications I can use to rip that down and add it and stuff, but I don't. Uh, just try to keep my life as simple as possible with regard to certain things. But if you want to listen to other people's stuff, get over to my station, uh, anchor.fm forward slash the larb, the larb and listen in. Uh, this has been episode, I don't know, 71 or something like that. So, uh, is it 71? I think. Anyway, um, check out the extra stuff over at Anchor. And uh, you probably heard, um, well, no doubt you did. If you listened to this entire episode, you would have heard uh, Paul talk about the Artist Manifesto. And uh, it's a piece of writing that I put together about nine months ago or so, nine, ten months ago. And uh, I was inspired to write it after reading an article on uh, Jeff Gowen's site and a few other people had written manifestos. So I decided to write my own. And I did. And that's what I stand for. Uh, it's everything I stand for, in fact, uh, creatively and otherwise. And uh, I think it's universal, you know. Um at least it appears to be. I've a lot of time for the content in that. And I'm currently producing a version, uh, a new version, more substantial version, not only the manifesto, but other articles, a select number of articles from my site, uh, 130 odd uh, in the last 11, 12 months, inside 12 months, more like 10 or 11 months. And uh, I'll be picking the best of those, adding them to the manifesto and producing a um, paperback and a hardback and a Kindle version. And an audio version. So if you want to get your hands on the free version where you can, get over to LarryGMcGuire.com, download it in exchange for your email address. And uh, you can also become a patron over at Patreon.com forward slash LarryGMcGuire if you want to receive a copy of that for free. Uh, become a patron and you get the audio and you get the... You can even get the hardback and the paperback and the PDF if you want. So... Uh, Anyway, I'm going to make the hardback something special. I want to make it cool, you know. No, something that looks good on your shelf. I'm not just going to churn out something for the sake of it. The paperback will be the cheaper version. Probably sell for, I don't know, 12 quid or something, 15 quid. The hardback will be more like 30 quid, 35 quid, 40 quid, something like that. I don't know yet. haven't decided. Anyway, this is important information. Every artist needs to read it. Everyone who's creating something needs to read it. And uh, hopefully you'll get something from it. So that's it for now from me. I'm going to sign off for this episode of The Daily Larb. You want to listen to more, LarryGMcGuire.com, Patreon.com forward slash LarryGMcGuire. Uh, and I'll see you there. Please, God. All right. Have a good evening. Take care.